Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Commander's Palace Restaurant and out to lunch. In 1879, Benjamin Franklin said the only two things in life that are certain are death and taxes. Today, a huge industry of medical scientists are hard at work delaying the date of our death as long as humanly possible. There are a small number of people, though no less enthusiastic, dedicated to lowering our taxes. Uh, one of them is New Orleanian Peter Loop. Peter and his wife, Ray Lynn, founded E-Tax Credit Exchange, an online market where regular Louisiana residents can take advantage of tax credits that the state offers to filmmakers and others to lower their state tax bill. Peter, this is your second visit out to lunch. Uh, last time you were here as a member of the film industry, and we talked about how uh, you were served as a previous uh, state film commissioner, and you were one of the creators of the film tax credit. So in a sense, you've uh, come full circle and uh, welcome back. Thank you very much, thank you. One, I have to admit that uh, I am a, a member of your advisory board for e-tax credit, so obviously a fan. Uh, I'm an unpaid member. I assume, are we all much. unpaid? Everyone's Okay, it's so not just me. Now, uh, Errol, uh, you're also here in the same idea of lowering taxes, but you know, normally to meet you, you have to wait in a long line. Uh, Orleans Parish Assessor Errol Williams determines the value of land, homes, commercial buildings, and other taxable property in New Orleans. Errol, uh, welcomed out to lunch. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Errol, whenever we place a monetary value on anything, as much as we try to make it objective with complex algorithms and computer programs. There's always an element of subjectivity. That's why people wait in long lines to try to convince you that you've seen some valuable feature in their property that doesn't exist. Let me ask you something that people ask me all the time is, have we uh, reassessed everything since Katrina? Or are we getting there? Or? I think we're more like 96% of the wow. properties in New Orleans have been reviewed by us and those that we felt that resulted in needed changing, we changed those. Uh, there's some, and you got to understand, with roughly 30,000 properties still under-repaired, uh, still un oh, okay, in repair, we're still running into problems with trying to complete this, the status of each one of them each year because in order to be able to do a city every four years, you've got to take on so many thousand properties each year. You can't just wait to that annual revalue year to go revalue property. You've got to take on an average with our size, about 40,000 reviews each year in order to be able to do that. So the, the percentage that we have, we think we're, we've done most of the major portions of the city. We still have some work to do in the French Quarter, have some work to do with the commercials because the commercial properties are are really still a problem for us because of uh, classifications. As you know, we converted from an old system to a new system and we're still trying to identify all the bugs that have come with it, such as measuring the houses and things like that, measuring the businesses, because some of them you don't have access to them. And if you don't have access to the property, how do you know whether your, your baseline, which is square footage of area to utilize for the business or a home, 
is correct, and that's, that's one of the problems of flowing our state law. You know, the other thing I want to compliment you on is, uh, you know, New Orleans was one of the last people to go to this, but the idea that you can now, you can go to a website, you can see what property's worth, what the tax is on. I mean, we were way behind the rest of the country on that for a long time. So you've played a lot of catch up here. Oh yeah, well, if you check back history, I'm probably the mover and shaker on trying to get the website to a point where it makes sense, where we compete with the other cities that do what we do every, every year, meaning that there are 50 states, and of the states out there, it is, everyone has so many counties, and each county is responsible for the assessment, but we like to pattern ourselves after Houston, which is you know, maybe 10, 15 times larger than we are, or a Dallas, or a Atlanta, everybody who provides that information for the public to review. Our biggest problem is trying to make sure that we get the data accurate. When it comes down to the website, I think we are, we're on the forefront of what we think data should be displayed out there. We're actually just completing the first phase of our uh, ground level photographs, so we, we are going to add that at before year end, which means that we'll have the first district, the second, old second district, and the fifth district completed. So those oh, photographs be will be great. added to the website, okay, okay. as well as uh, probably a, a better version of what you're seeing on the aerial photos because uh, we use, utilize something called pictometry. In pictometry, we gave you a what we call a public version. We're going to actually make it a little a little more... Uh, more of a curb look? Uh, uh, well, you'll be able to see uh, obliques, which means that you may be able to People's go... People's abs? You'll be able to go around the corner. Oh, okay, oh, well, that's, a, that's sides, what it is. All four sides of the house, you'll be able to actually take and view the house from all four sides. Oh, this okay, is... Okay, which, which is a... Uh, a great uh, is an angle view, yeah. but it gives you an idea because this is, without having a right of access, this is one of the tools we utilize to try and get a feel for where their porch is, where there are, uh, what they call it, uh, I guess, uh, patios and things like that, that from the roof down, top down, you see a you, you see a square footage, but then the actual living area is modified by those areas because oh, that's not yeah. living areas. Well, that, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you've got that going for us here. Now, now Peter, state taxes are relatively simple. Uh, after we take all the deductions we're entitled to get, uh, and we figure out we have to write a check to the state treasurer, e-tax credit exchange, adds one more legal deduction by literally taking advantage of a tax credit. Um, up until the time I buy it, this is someone else's tax credit. Uh, can you explain how it works and why is someone selling a tax credit? I guess maybe it's kind of a three-pronged thing. How does it start here? Well, uh, first of all, it's, it's not actually a deduction. It's a dollar-for-dollar dollar 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 reduction of, of, of your, your taxes, taxes. not a reduction of your income. Right. right. So, um, so if you are a taxpayer, well, let's back up to the person that generates it. If you generate a tax credit, um, and say you generate, you know, a thousand dollars in tax credits, and your state liability is a hundred dollars, well, then you've got nine hundred dollars left over, and generally you can use that nine hundred over a time period, you know, five to ten years, or there's a there's it's possible and transferable tax credits to sell it to a taxpayer who needs, who w would like to save on their taxes. So there's a natural um, uh, discount of what the face value of the tax credit is to the uh, taxpayer. And so that person buys that tax credit, you know, somewhere 10, 15% discount, and that satisfies their entire stat, uh, state tax bill. So if they had a state tax bill of $1,000, they could probably go onto your site and buy um, what is needed for about $850, $900 or so? Exactly. 
Exactly. Wow. So that's, that's an instant savings or an instant return on your money on your taxes, which obviously is unheard of. Yes. They you know, yeah. Seems kind of voodoo, but it is, uh, it is true. But yours is the way I would buy stocks and bonds, right? Exactly. And that's where it kind of it, it, it sort of started growing. And, and my previous, before I was in the film business, I was an institutional equity trader uh, locally. And um, it, it was something that um, had always come back to the forefront and but it was never there were never enough there wasn't enough volume to make it work these tax credit uh, programs have blown up over the you know around the country and uh, it just made sense to make it an efficient you know transparent kind of marketplace and since you were part of the original uh, team here I mean would it be fair to say I mean this is what's driven us to become the number three film oh, producer completely it's uh, the the film industry in, in Louisiana is you know is the third largest production center in the country behind LA and New York. Um, the tax credits are the sole purpose for that. Now, uh, with your site and, and your job, is it uh, is it real lumpy? I mean, I guess what I would be thinking of is everything is centered around April fifteenth. That's not probably exactly right, though. Well, <laughs> I mean, what it, do you do during the rest of the time? <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, it is cyclical, but you know, the the idea behind coming up with a marketplace is that a a seller of tax credits, you know, depending on when he gets them, if he gets his taxes, his tax credits on uh, May twentieth, then he's looking at having to wait quite a while for people to really want them. Well, he's, he, he's got the ability to m modify his pricing to wherever he wants it. So depending on how much he really wants to sell it, he can, he can go from 90 cents to 80 cents if he wants to sell them real quick. And, then the, and, and likewise, the taxpayers are, will start to get a little more, um, uh, you know, a, a little smarter about making their decisions on when to buy tax credits because if they, ha if they know that, look, I'll buy them in the off-season, uh, then then I'll get them cheaper and I can sit on them for you know a few months. Peter, one question I really I really don't know the answer to on this is the uh, what about inventory? Do you always have inventory or? Well, we we like to always have inventory, but um, you know it, it. We're just getting started. We've we've been lucky in that we've had a good amount of inventory. You know, we started we launched in February and today we've done about 18 million in credits that we've cleared and. Uh, We've got about three million, I think, or two million on the site right now. Yeah. We've got another fifteen, I think, that'll hit uh, soon. So, and those are historic credits, uh, angel credits, uh, film credits, um, you know, digital media credits. Uh, so it's the diversification of uh, programs is picking up as well. Daryl, uh, I'm going to ask you a general question. What do you, if you could change one thing about New Orleans, what would it be? That's that's a very tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't change the food in the restaurants. I love okay, that. Okay, keep that. They, uh, I, I guess uh, you know, that's a very tough question for somebody like me. Okay, uh, yeah. There's too many changes I see going on that adversely impact. I would like to see us grow more retail in New Orleans. And the reason so that is, people aren't going to just Jefferson Parish to well, shop? Well, the reason is, is that bread and butter for New Orleans is not property taxes. It's uh, sales tax, sales and use taxes. And the less retail we have, the the more we learn for or look for money to try and do the basic things that people 
10 to 1 done, fix the streets, okay, to replace the lights, the things that you see people complain about a lot of times. Right. And that's, that's just, I mean, if I had to do anything, I would, I would change some of these uh, restrictions that we place on businesses who try to come to our city. Okay, uh, in the case of the movie business, that uh, you've done well with that. But when it comes down to retail, uh, large big box retails, uh, you know, the parish, other parishes have benefited from us. And uh, Errol, how does it work of the, the breakdown? If you look at all the money the city has coming in, what percentage of it is the property tax side? Is that a uh, roughly for the city itself, uh, roughly around 30% of the revenues. So of the 465 million dollars that. The city's only going to get about 30% of that to run now, the is city. That, is that low for a city, that breakdown? I think it is, uh, but I also have to compare our city to other cities. And when I compare our city to, say, like a Nashville, whose operating budget is one around $1.3 and ours is a little less than $600 million, how do we compete? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the problems we have to face as a city. So uh, there are a lot of things that I would like to change, but none that sits more prevalent in, in and then me driving, okay, 20 miles to go spend a dollar uh, on a retail side because I don't have it here in all these parish. Now it's time to check the inbox. Our producer picks a question that's come in from a listener uh, over the past week. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Peter, we've got uh, questions for both of our guests today. This one uh, for you, Errol, from Mark Kreitz. But he says, how might the homestead exemption be modified to generate more property tax revenue for the city? Well, but if you find most... Uh, assessors they won't be on the side of trying to reduce it here's here's where your problem comes in at if you take the homestead exemption away in its entirety then it may produce somewhere around 62 million dollars okay, uh, for everybody all tax recipient agencies the city gets a third of that okay, uh, then does it solve your problem in the long term no uh, where my solutions are more tied to percentage of assessed valuation rather than removing the homestead exemption. The story I hear from every taxpayer is I'm paying too much in taxes, so that's an uphill battle no matter which way you go. If you try and kill the homestead exemption, the people who benefit from it are going to come out in forces to oppose it. If you try and increase the taxes, everybody's going to come at you. So you're sort of caught in the middle as the, you know, from the tax assessor standpoint. My role is simply to try and come up with fair market value so everybody pays an equal distribution of the tax burden. We do have some problems that when it comes to nonprofits, we have more nonprofits owning stuff that was never exempted 10 years ago. Uh, you know, when it comes down to church, I'll give you a case in point. Uh, I lost a case, Volunteers of America lawsuit, where they own the apartment complex. If to live in the complex, you had to have $40,000 a year income or higher. They said because they were religious, the Supreme Court said that they were exempt. That's in Louisiana. In Texas, the same case was argued in Texas. They said it was taxable. Religion had nothing to do with owning and operating an apartment complex. <laughs> or if, you own, if you're a nonprofit organization, you own vacant land, such as, say, Tulane. Tulane has a lot of vacant land because it's not used for commercial purposes. Then it's not taxable. But what happens to it today? You know, Tulane may decide to sell it 30 years from now, so in the meantime, it's not paying anything. Or you take New York statute that says that if the church closes down or a school closes down, the next year it's on the tax rolls, it's taxable. In this state, if the archdiocese closes down a piece of property and says, I'm going to close this church, it's exempt. 
So there's some reform there that may need to take place to try and force some of these holders of property to get rid of some of it so that we can put it back into commerce and maybe generate a, a few more dollars in property taxes. But the end result is is that uh, you still have the problem with the homestead exemption. It's 75000 I don't think it's going to get increased. Every year somebody from the Assessors Association sponsors the bill to increase it. But so far the public and the, uh, the legislature has said no. So, uh, you know, as far as trying to take it away, it's, you know, it's like trying to take away motherhood and apple pie. I don't yeah. know if that's going to happen. It is kind of a third rail issue, isn't yeah. it, for these, uh, for locally? Yes. Here's a question for you. A lot of people chimed in on Twitter when I mentioned today we're looking for questions about film tax credits. And they all had to do, in one way or another, with local filmmakers having access to the state's tax incentive. Can you address that and perhaps describe is there any reason why local people are having more difficulty getting any well, advantage out of the tax credit? Well, I mean, it, it, the, the, the program, the film program specifically is open to anybody. Um, there, there's the, the only thing that I can think of that they're having a problem with may be that they're doing, you know, some extremely low budget films that don't reach the $300,000 threshold. So, therefore, um, if... Um, if they don't reach it, obviously they can't take advantage of it. Now, I know that there is, you know, a uh, some movement that people are trying to to make a, a, you know, a case for local filmmakers to be able to shoot some lower budget, maybe, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand um, dollar, you know, if they're doing a low budget film, uh, that they can take advantage of it somehow. But that's uh, something that the legislature and the film office needs to needs to get behind. And Peter, for those of us who have never made a movie, what, what is the range on costs? I mean, is 300000 a very low-budget movie? That's, uh, that's, um, that's low. That's low. That's uh, low. Give me an example of some, one of the big ones you've done here. Uh, oh, well, I guess the largest one that we've done, uh, you know, prior to starting the marketplace was uh, we did Battleship, which was... Uh, about a two hundred million. Wow. Okay. You know, two hundred million dollar movie, but you know, it was a it was a lot to a lot to do in that one. <laughs> like rebuild a World War II um, part of a World War II battleship. So really, you don't get the call to do that very often. From, from scrap. Yeah. From scrap. <laughs> <laughs> Frugal Pete yes, and, his, yeah. and his battleship builder. They, they is, uh, you know, now's the time where we get to pay it forward. Now that's where we ask the guests to generously use their expertise and experience to help us help some up-and-coming entrepreneurs. And today's startup is a new company called Fundat. Uh, Fundat is a crowdfunding platform like Kickstarter, except it's designed specifically for projects created in and about New Orleans. Uh, unlike Kickstarter, which gives you literally a web-based start and then leaves you on your own, Fundat's founders, that's Mark Juno and Alex uh, McConduit, work with musicians, moms, artists, athletes, neighborhoods, nonprofits to get media attention and networking to actively help them raise the funds they need to get their ideas off the ground. Now Mark and Alex wrote us this question, how do you think we can best find and support the wonderful things that are going on in New Orleans and get them to harness the power of crowdfunding? Uh, Peter, in a sense, you have a web-based business that distributes money. Uh, Errol, uh, you're in touch with every aspect of the city. Uh, what thoughts do you have for Mark and Alex about educating the local community to find and to use Fundat? Uh, Errol, what do you think? You, you took a look at this company earlier. Um, what, do you, what do you think? 
I think the biggest problem you have is a lot of people don't know it's there. Okay, <laughs> all right. Believe me, there are a number of people out there with ideas who want to start different projects on a small scale, okay, but then they don't they don't know where to get the money at. It's where do you get the capital? Back then, it used to be venture capitalists. Used to be something called ICBO, which was a, a business that they you know incubated where they you present the idea, you put your business plan together, and they they come up with the funding. But here, you got you got to convince a whole lot of people. If you got a good product and you presented in, in this format, I'm certain that you can find the money okay, to, to, for people who are willing to take a risk. Uh, what do you think, Peter? What would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Errol's got it right. It's, it's getting, getting the word out uh, and enough um, you know, projects that uh, are compelling for the investors and potential investors to look at th that would, you know, the idea behind crowdfunding is get it out to as many people as possible. And, and, and what do you think is the best way to get these, get these guys known, I guess? Uh, New Orleans has a lot of, of networking opportunities for the companies and themselves to get involved in, like, like Fundat, and getting out there and, and, and taking advantage of the, the organizations like Idea Village and Launchpad and, and, and those kind of organizations that really do help uh, a business look at themselves as far as their revenue stream, what they're trying to do, and, uh, and, and advise them. Um, and it's generally all, you know, they're doing it for the good of New Orleans. Hey, thank you so much. Errol Williams, uh, Peter Loop. Uh, I'm sure every single person listening to this wants to pay less taxes and would love to meet meet you. So I'm going to give out, I think this is okay, we approved this earlier, I'm going to give out your personal cell phone numbers. And uh, I think this is going to be fine. Uh, they, uh, wow. They, uh, very nice people on our show. Uh, uh, maybe I won't do that exactly, but uh, you can get in touch with my guest today, Errol Williams, Orleans Parish Tax Assessor, and Peter Loop, co-founder of eTax Credit Exchange, by following the links on www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Uh, Peter, Errol, thanks so much for joining me out to lunch. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You guys yeah. are great guests. The, uh, our show is recorded uh, live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The vivacious Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.